every Arizona homeowner's best friend, and it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. Come on around back, Arizona. It is Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, the outdoor living hour. If you joined us last week, you know we had a change to our regular lineup. Mr. Harper was uh, away for a little uh, birthday getaway. Hope y'all had a good time in the cool mountains. We did. Always good to get away. Yes. Always great to, this time of year especially, elk are bugling and the mornings are crisp and the leaves are starting, there's a little color starting to change and fall is in the air that that hope that it's eventually going to make its way down to the desert floor and well you know and last night and this morning there kind of there's a little hint of that isn't there there is my daughter landry came out the other morning and said oh it's rodeo season <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> can tell there was just a slight hint of chill yes. and that was yep. all it took there's definitely a different angle to the sun and a different odor to the air so it's uh you know it's it's long overdue <laughs> this summer this summer can go away and a great time for planting and you've always said this is probably one of your favorite seasons and there's a lot of reasons for that but we've got uh, fall vegetable gardens that can go in we've got our lawn transitions we've got fall fertilizing a lot to talk about today but if you'd like to join the conversation or talk to Mr. Harper about anything about your plants or landscape. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. One triple eight Rosie for you. When the auto attendant answers, just hit the number one, and that'll bypass the message and put you right into the studio. Text questions can be sent to four one one nine two three, or you can email info at rosieonthehouse.com. Which which one should we start with? Wow. Um... Well, I think, you know, just philosophically, not philosophically, but, you know, uh, from the standpoint of fall planting, uh, I've always uh, likened the fact that really this is our spring. We've just come through our worst, most drastic season, much like winter is in the cold country, summer is here. It's, it's It's our bleak season and especially this summer if you want to see some bleak looking landscapes and some bleak looking plants start driving around and looking stuff there's dead palm trees right outside this building out here (laughs) that didn't that were freshly planted that didn't make it through the summer so um you know think of it as our spring and treat it that way it's really time to plant just about anything um the the air the the soil and the water temperatures are cooling. If you haven't gotten in your pool, if you don't think it's cooled <laughs> off, go get in your pool. <laughs> if you haven't in a while, it'll take your breath away right now. It's like, woo, okay. Um, so soil and, and, and water temperatures are cooling. The, air, the nighttime air temperatures really are what help plants. And when we get that relief at night, they really cool off drastically. The soil temperatures have moderated, but they're going to stay warm. So they're like a little incubator when we put those roots in the ground or the seed in the ground. We've got these warming air te- warming warmer soil temperatures that are staying a little warmer than the air temperatures. And then we have the relief at night that the plants get some relief in the stress. And, you know, the need for, 
for watering uh, goes down, the plant's transpiration and stress goes way down, and yet their roots are continued to kind of being incubated by this warm soil. So um, it's just a tremendous time to plant. Uh, the, the, so the air temperature is going in the right direction, cooling off. The days are shorter. Just the overall stress that the sun and the air does to plants here, especially in our dry climate, is very minimal compared to what it was, you know, or e- even is in March or April when it's going the other direction. When days are getting longer, air is drying out, uh, sun temperature and sun exposure is going up, and yet the soil temperatures are staying cooler. So we have a great opportunity to get things established and planted before, long before next summer's stress occurs on them. This is also a great time to wander around and look in your yard and find out what really is going to do well in the landscape. I mean, it's pretty apparent right now what plants were probably meant to be grown here and which ones aren't. Um, and depending on their exposure, you know, some have done have fared better than others. But uh, if something was in a, was marginal here before, it probably isn't marginal anymore. <laughs> it's probably pretty crispy looking. So good time to evaluate that. Good and and evaluate it, and then look around what's doing well. And it's a great time to get that planted and in the ground and get it established before next summer hits. And we do that. And then we go in, you know, our vegetable garden, our, our planting list um, just, you know, it, it grows exponentially this time of year from, you know, we've got all the leafy items, all the root items, and then all of those things that we kind of eat a modified part of the stem or the leaf, like the broccolis and Brussels sprouts and cauliflowers and, and, and those things. So just think of roots, stems, and leaves. And uh, that's a lot of stuff, more stuff than you got room probably in your garden to plant. And uh, your dad and I were talking about the summertime planting. He's going to stick with okra and eggplant because <laughs> bugs don't like them and they're tough as nails. And, uh, uh, you know, so we wintertime's a whole different story. We've got lots of options. It's a lot easier. The only thing you can't do very much with are, you know, the the two things that everybody wants to plant and grow here is tomatoes and peppers, right? So uh, it it can get a little tough to try and get a tomato and pepper crop as things get cooler. Um, If you can get them through the summer, they're probably looking pretty good about now, but I don't necessarily advocate doing that. Winter lawns, you'll see the golf courses are starting to, to scalp and mow down those Bermuda grass. And if you have a Bermuda lawn, you've probably noticed you haven't had to mow in about a week or two. Yeah, it's that's when you really know the nights have cooled off, right? And the Bermuda's green, but it isn't growing. It's a great combination. Too bad we can't have that all summer <laughs> all time. Um, yeah, there's, there was times this summer I was having to mow every third or fourth day. It was growing that aggressively. And oh, I, haven't, I haven't fired that mower up in two weeks. A lot of people have issues in the summer because they're, you know, they're just bound to determine they're only going to mow once a week. So you start mowing and it, and you start taking more than about a third of the, of the length of the grass off. You start scalping or scalding or turning that grass brown underneath because you're taking too much material off when you cut. And it's not good for the, for the grass either. Um, so you, you either have to start raising your mowing heights Every time you mow, well, eventually you run out of height. <laughs> you run out of adjustment. 
Uh, and then you run into some issues with too much thatch and high growth and shading the the soil. So you, you're really your best alternative is to just mow couple times a week every three or four days It'd be ideal you know? that's what i'm gonna do with all my spare time perfect thank you john mo it's good therapy <laughs> my neighbor and i used to used to chuckle i could tell who had had the worst day by how you mowed your lawn you know <laughs> i saw a tool i haven't <clears throat> ordered it yet i wanted to make sure it's compatible with my weed whacker because the weed whackers are great but messing with that twine is Oh, yeah. It's always such a pain. Well, this, it looked like, um, have you ever bought a battery scrubber for your car battery? It goes over the top and you turn its metal, thick metal. It looks like somebody took that concept and adapted it to a weed whacker. So you attach a whole new head onto it, and it's got all these metal spirals going out, but it's, it's a static size, so it fits on your trimmer. So, and you just use that until the metal wears off, probably... A couple hours, you would get out of that easily, and then you just put a new head on it. So you're not yeah. every five minutes having to get more twine out or constantly stomp the head or you know trying to get the the spiral to come out. Or you buy a steel uh, cordless weed eater, weed whacker, string trimmer, and they make a preloaded spool. And you buy them in a pack of three, I think. And when that thing runs out, you just grab another one and pop it in. It's already, the, the line is already spooled on there. And you don't have to mess with it. Well, the, that, they work great. Both they of work those great. save a huge amount of time. And I agree that, with you. That's the most frustrating thing. And especially if it's dual, a dual line, you know, the line's coming out of two As mine places. is. It's like, how do you wind those both on there, get them on there? You need about four hands to. Get and, it back on the head of the... And just when you get it all lined up, the dog comes and licks you in the face and knocks you over, and you got to, like, <laughs> start all over and wrap the other <laughs> so side. So it goes <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. So. I, I was complaining about that to Tim at Scotty's Lawnmower. Uh-huh. And uh, he sold me a head for my steel tr- line trimmer for the two-sided. Uh-huh. And it's comparable to what you were talking about. You just feed 12 feet through it, and then you just wind it clockwise and it rolls it back up and so now you've got six feet on either side okay the feet but it that has saved me a ton of time on the string trimmer but if if you haven't thank you to tim for set keying me into that if you haven't played around with this these steel um that use a rechargeable batteries system i'm up to a trimmer and a blower now okay so i i don't know what my next implement will be but uh, I'm I'm very impressed. Well, that's definitely the route we're going to go when at the point. And, and that's the one thing about it is mine is a steel. I've had it 10 years, and I bought it used. Mm-hmm. And this thing still fires up and, and goes. And I'm too cheap to buy something when I've got a working okay. one. <laughs> so, I was on, so. so as soon as it dies, we're going to do a battery one. And what I like about that is to get gas from our house. It's a 20-minute drive. Yeah. So and and then you got to have your two stroke and it's it's always a constant struggle. So going to something battery operated, just plug in and go, is very appealing. Well, and it's, very, it's just they don't stink and you don't have that. And you don't have. There's a lot of great benefits to them. I'll tell. I'll give you a testament to them. I was up on the roof, and I've got you know gutter and I was blowing leaves off the roof because flat roof and you the soffits plug up and I'm kind of trying to be proactive and. 
right before monsoon season, and the gutter was full of leaves. So I'm blow the gutter out. So I set the the string trimmer or the blower, excuse me, right there on the edge to get so I can get down off the, on the ladder, and I kick the thing off the roof, <laughs> <clears throat> and it hits the ground, and of course a few parts came off. <clears throat> I, it all went back together. The only thing that broke is the little clip part that holds the battery in. <clears throat> that thing didn't miss a beat. I just replaced that little clip part. Actually, I duct taped the battery in <laughs> so I could finish working. <laughs> Had to finish the you're job a, that you day. You know you're a redneck <laughs> if you know how to use duct tape for everything. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. If you'd like to join the conversation, just like Martine. Good morning and welcome to the program. Good morning. Yes, sir. So I heard you guys uh, talking about the equipment for you know uh, lawn keeping and stuff, and I I've had a Black and Decker for like ten years. I finally got rid of it yesterday. You know, the switch broke, and it just kind of, I used it, <laughs> even with the broken switch, for a little bit here. But what is a good line of equipment that would be all electric? I really like all the electric. They're quiet. But, uh, you know, I went to Home Depot and looked at another electric uh, lawnmower, and it just doesn't, I mean, that Black & Decker, uh, is there a line that I can use all, like, the same battery that's a decent, decent quality? Well, steel, the steel brand makes a lawnmower, a blower, uh, a pole trimmer, a chainsaw, string trimmer, and they all have the same battery. I would recommend getting more than one battery, but, you know, while you're using one, you're charging one and back and forth. I have not used their lawnmower, but I have their blower and their string trimmer, and I've been very pleased with them. The battery life's pretty good. Um, and, uh, the, like I said, I kicked my blower off the roof, uh, and it's still running. So, uh, <laughs> that's pretty good testimony. So I, I would check those out. Um, and it's been a long time since I've been into a Home Depot or bought tools, a tool, right? I don't know that they sell steel. Do you have to go to a dealer? I, I think He's so. in Glendale. You've got, uh, Stoats Pratt's, equipment, um, Stoats, Pratt's feed, uh, probably a steel dealer. Uh, a to Z has a couple sure. locations, one Z, in Avondale. Yeah. Scotty's lawnmower you guys mentioned. Yeah. But in the Glendale, I would just maybe Google S-T-I-H-L. Is yeah, that? that's right. S-T-I-H-L, steel, and uh, see what comes up. And I, I've i even saw one. I can't remember exactly how it worked, but there's even like an extended battery pack you can put on. Now, this probably isn't going to relate to Martine, but if you've got like a landscape crew mm-hmm. and you're using the battery pack, obviously you can't, you know, unless you've got a solar panel on your uh-huh. <laughs> on yeah. your car to walk yeah. around. But they've got a, a big one that you can put on your oh. back and then you just hook up each tool as oh, you're using it. So instead of like a... 40, 50-minute well, life, do, it's like a three-hour life. And they make different, at least with the string trimmer, and I think with the blower, there's more. There's a homeowner line and a professional line, and the, and the battery is bigger or smaller, uh, you know, so it lasts longer, that sort of thing. So I know there's different levels as well. So Here, Here's an $800 electric lawnmower that's robotic. 
There you go. Now we're talking. Now we're really talking. Is it kind of like the, the vacuum cleaner? You just leave it out in That's your lawn it. all the time and That's it just it. goes around? And, do yeah. you remember Red Green solution to yeah, automatic yeah. lawn? He put a tether ball pole in the middle of the lawn. Okay. And then hooked it to the mower. With a, with a rope <laughs> and just let it go in circles till it got to the tether pole. I like it. <laughs> uh, and then we just got a text from a listener. says, ADV Greenworks Pro. And I Googled it, and it's another battery lawnmower okay. equipment that they're obviously so happy there's a with. couple you can check out. Greenworks. I've never heard of that. So. Probably going to be more and more of those <laughs> on, the, on solutions. Well, and it's so nice. You don't have to worry about carburetors going bad or gas going bad sitting in the, the tank. And uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm looking forward to investing. Let's get to Dewey in Queen Creek. Wants to talk about fertilizing. Welcome to the conversation hello yes hey, sir good morning um i was i was gonna uh, uh uh fertilize my bermuda in in my pasture today and i heard your previous conversation and i wanted to know is that going to be will that help me get you know just the last uh bit of growth or or is it the Bermuda is just kind of oh, so. That's a great question. Island back now. Yeah, great question, dude. If if you are not going to overseed your lawn, and in your case, you're probably you know probably not going to plant, or maybe you do plant a winter pasture. Um, but for those that are not going to overseed, then yes, I would I would fertilize one more time because it'll do two things. It will keep your Bermuda grasses. Uh, healthy and and growing, they're not going to put on a lot of leaf growth, but but it'll stay healthy. The other thing that those Bermudas are starting to do now is build up carbohydrates and store up energy, so when they do go dormant, they can they have some energy stored up to come back next spring, and it will help with that too. And up north in the cold country, they put their lawns to bed by doing a fall feeding. Um, on them just so that they'll have that extra energy stored up. Hang tight, Dewey. We can do a lot of things, but we can't stop the clock. Head into bottom of the hour news. If you'd like to join the lineup, one 767 4348 That's one 888 rosie you When the auto attendant answers, hit number one. You'll bypass the 40-second uh, recorded message. That'll put you right in the studio. Text 411923 or email info at com. Does your garden need a hand? Your lawn needs some help? Those plants looking rough? Call in your question. 1-888-767-4348. When you hear the auto attendant, press 1-1-888-ROSIE for you. And we've got a few calls that have lined up. Before we get to them, I wanted to make one final uh point about the lawn transition bermuda to rye mm-hmm. if you are planning on doing that or if you don't have a bermuda when is because i i want a nice green lawn by thanksgiving okay when do i have to get that in well you know the 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 balancing act is always do we waiting long enough that the bermuda starts to really slow down and wants to go dormant and then timing it so it doesn't get so cold that you're ryegrasses are slow to germinate. I, I, I think by Thanksgiving, if you did it third week of October, 
October 15th has always been, you know, kind of quote unquote, the magic day, I think. Uh, you know, golf courses, some of them have to start early. It's economics. It's, you know, there's a lot of things that go into play there. But if you, if when we start scalping those Bermuda grasses too early and they're still storing up those carbohydrates for the wintertime and we cut off all the leaf material and then we plant a competitor on top of it, then, then we w- wonder why our Bermuda grasses don't come back next spring very good or some of it's all dead. It just doesn't come back at all. And, and I think that's happened now. I've, the trend has been to start doing it later than earlier now. There was a time 15, 20 years ago when you know, some golf courses and resorts were scalping right after Labor Day. They've kind of backed off. Most of them are putting it off as late as they can and into October. And I think middle of for a homeowner, middle the last half of October would be good. If you want that lawn to be, you know, if you want to have Thanksgiving dinner out on the lawn and have people walking on it and traffic on it, you want to have mowed that ryegrass a couple of times. So I think you're very safe if you can do it, you know, by Halloween probably at the latest last two weeks of I used to try and get mine in so because it's trick-or-treaters are going to walk across the front lawn <laughs> at Halloween so it was at least mowed once or twice so 15th October to the to Halloween that window now I took your advice and I didn't do a Bermuda lawn in the back yeah we're never we're never back there right um and in the summertime we kept the front one because that's where we we are a lot of times but we'll spend a lot of time in the back playing football in the nicer weather yeah and the goats uh, I put it in there to keep the weeds down and it, it I mean it, it's a flat dirt yep will this rye germinate on that or do I need to put a, a uh, you probably mulching cover, cover on you probably top want of to that? cover that if it's just plain dirt and that you could do anytime so you're not worried about obviously the Bermuda grass so we could do that one earlier I could do that one right now as long as it's covered okay yeah well, don't say that. I've already got other plans for the got weekend. It. I don't want right. to understand. <laughs> I didn't say that. That didn't go on the air. It'll be better. You probably can't find the ryegrass yet. There you the go. <laughs> not available yet. <laughs> Gary and Glendale's next on the line. Welcome to the broadcast. How may we help you? Gary? Hello. Yes, sir. Um, I was told a long time ago that Coffee grounds are wonderful to put in your vegetable garden. So I got a bunch of them, and I don't know how to use it. And what pH would I want to get? And thoroughly confused. Well, the 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 pH thing with coffee grounds is 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 insignificant. You're not going to change the pH of the soil here by adding some coffee grounds because it has a little bit of acid in it from from the coffee. Um, it's it's great organic material, and have at it. I mean, work use it just like compost, like you'd work any composted material into your soil. It's wonderful. No reason not to use it. But uh, you, I don't know how many tons of coffee grounds it would take to to affect the pH of the soil here, and it would be temporary anyway. Would the caffeine affect the growth of it? Like. <laughs> They have very jittery plants. Yeah. <laughs> if you wanted to grow quaking aspens, then you use coffee ground. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, have at it, but use it for organic material. Put it in your compost pile, whatever you want to do. But 
if you get if you if you think you need to buffer the soils, you know, and, and use use gypsum, soil sulfur, things like that, that that's what's going to help you. We appreciate the call. Next is Nicole at one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight. Rosie for you, Nicole. Welcome. Hi, um, I moved to Arizona about a year ago and uh, tried to do a balcony garden, and it was unsuccessful. And so I was calling to see about uh, getting into a fall garden and maybe the best way to go about that. You said a balcony garden. You have a a, a balcony that you're trying to grow things out on. Is that what it is? Yes, I have no yard. I have a condo. Okay. And are these planters just sitting on your balcony? Are they hanging on the railing of the balcony? How? What do you What do you have for uh, the containers? The containers are about a foot off the ground. Okay. And they're just wood containers. Wood containers, and how big are they? Uh, there's three of them, and they're like one foot by one foot. Okay. And what what exposure? What direction does your balcony face? Uh, south. South. Okay. So it gets pretty hot in the summer on your balcony. Exactly. Okay. Well, one thing I would probably do for the summertime is just relax, forget about it, and just grow stuff that, you know, from here on out through the winter months. Good potting soil. uh, Keep it well fertilized. You can do, you know, almost anything. A foot by a foot is not very big in the summer to try and keep wet that soil is going to dry out really fast now if you can tuck them up against the 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 walls of the building and get them out of the direct exposure maybe that would help you but pots in the summertime here containers in the summertime here can be a bit of a challenge um, in any exposure so i would probably concentrate on growing uh, things you know from mid to late september till about may and, and you can do just about anything you want. Um, you know, my mom and dad grow all of their, their whole vegetable garden is nothing but, but containers. Now, they have quite large containers, but it's all con- onions and beets and turnips and, uh, you know, spinach and just tomatoes and peppers in the springtime. So you can do anything in, in a container that you can do in the ground. I think you're, uh, you got two things you're fighting that for summertime, that southern exposure, and you might want to consider getting containers that are just a bit larger um, so that they won't dry out and get quite so hot. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but what about like a window garden? And the one that I remember seeing, it's it was a project. They were trying to, you know, do some recycling, gardening challenge that some organization put together. It's been almost 10 years, but they ultimately, you picture like a, a plastic coke bottle Mm -hmm. and they cut the bottom off of it and turned it upside down so where Mm -hmm. you would drink out of is the drip hole at the bottom Mm -hmm. and they put like six of them on one on top of each other and watered on the top and hung it Mm -hmm. on the window on the inside could she grow it on the inside on the against a a window facing south and get enough light that she could have Uh, something in interior perhaps I mean, it'd be it'd be worth monkey. It certainly, could probably grow some herbs, um, you know, basil and things like that. Um, you know, it's just and, one of those things you you play around with. And there there is a, a, a local gentleman here 
um, Alex Billingsley, that Flower Street Urban Garden, that makes those really nice. Uh, you can hang them on a railing or uh, mount them to a wall or stack them. They're wooden, and they're big enough that you can grow some meaningful stuff in them uh, that, that do a great job with, with vegetables. And they have the same kind of concept. You water through the top, and he's got it designed if you put layers of them where the water then runs through the bottom of the first one, waters the second one, and then goes on down and waters the bottom one. So uh, that concept certainly uh, would more than likely work. You'd just have to play around with what would grow in it. You know, a pop bottle's not very big. So, you know, it might have to be something, you know, like a basil or a, some parsley or something like that. FlowerStreetUrbanGardens.com. Those are really neat designs, and they, they look beautiful. Yeah, and they're using them in a lot of places these days, and they're pretty versatile. You can put them on posts. You can put them on a fence. You can, you can put them a lot of different ways. But he's, he's got a system down pretty good where it's, you know, it's pretty well figured out. And I'm generally not a fan of things that are made out of wood. They deteriorate after a few years. And what I like about his is he builds the steel metal frame. So after a couple of years, if one of your planks wears out, just slide it out and slide right. in a new one. And you've got your, yeah. your steel frame that'll be there for 100 years. Yep. And, and there is some plastic lining on the inside of them. So they, you know, they, they hold up pretty darn well. There's a couple options for you, Nicole. Good luck with your, uh, what would we call it, a patio garden? Yeah. Balcony garden, Balcony patio garden. garden. You know, I mean, the, the biggest thing we fight here with things is just the heat. And it'd be just no different than if you were living in New York City trying to grow a balcony garden in the wintertime there. Probably wouldn't work. So, uh, you know, pick pick your battles. <laughs> a couple text questions have have come in. Uh, one individual was wanting to know, is there a certain type of rye you like or brand? <clears throat> is one particularly better than the other? Most, most all good uh, winter rye grasses are blends anymore. And so just make sure you're using a perennial blend. I would, I would not advocate using a single variety and I would not advocate using something that is not stated. So when you look at, there's got to be a tag, a certified tag on that package of seed, and it will list probably three varieties of perennial ryegrasses. So just make sure that that's what it what it says on there. Don't use annual ryegrass. That's a pasture. That'd be what we would use in a pasture setting for a winter pasture. Um, so just a good blend of perennial ryegrasses. And I understand they all come from Oregon, one way. Pretty or the much, other. yeah, yeah. And and you know the pros can tell you well, you know, and I shouldn't even say I you know don't <laughs> remember the varieties anymore. But there's a million of them out there, and they do trials, and they'll do a field. And there'll be a row of this variety and a row of that. And so what they try and do is they try and blend three of them together, one that maybe has better color, one that maybe is more drought tolerant, and one that maybe is more disease resistant. So if something is amiss, at least you've got one of those that will kind of, you know, uh, proliferate under adverse conditions one way or the other. So... Um, Unless they're growing right next to each other, uh, you can't know, really tell. You can't tell the difference. I'm gonna live where the green grass grows, watch my corn pop up in rows. Every night, be tucked in close to you. Raise our kids.
If you're going to put all of those together into one, we, we could do that in Arizona. Grass, corn, and a river. We, we, you could do that in Arizona. Yeah. Do, do they grow corn by Yuma? Uh-huh. Yeah, there you go. He's singing about Yuma. Who knew? Yeah. Buckeye has a river, <laughs> runs through it. Does it run year-round? The Gila? Yeah. Well, it depends on where you're at. <laughs> Sometimes. Define run. <laughs> yeah. Above ground, <laughs> underground. <laughs> is, this, is a trickle good enough? If the washes are running in Dewey, you got corn there, too. <laughs> corn and, and right. grass, yeah. Grass, yeah. He was singing about Arizona. Who knew? We've got a number of text questions that have come in, and we'll get through. But uh, one more on the balcony garden for our last caller that was recently uh, moved to Arizona within the last years. Those tower gardens, and there's a few different yep. brands. There's True Gardens out of Mesa. Describe that um, system. So it's a, a plastic. I think most of these are plastic. It's a you know a, a cylindrical, a cylinder that's up goes vertical and in the sides of them there are little openings where you so you fill that cylinder full of soil and then in the sides of them there are little pockets if anybody remembers the old strawberry pots you know you bought a pot it had little pockets around it on the sides you fill the thing full of soil and and you plant it in these little pockets so it's the same concept so you have soil in the middle, and you're shoving a plant in through the sides of the, the round cylinder. And then you water them, much like you were talking about the bottles, where the water just runs. So this water just kind of runs down the top and runs down through these. And it has a reservoir at the bottom that holds the water, and it kind of recirculates it. And it just, you know, pumps that water up to the top, and it, you know, flows down and waters them. And then, you know kind of holds the water at the bottom and recirculates it. That's a very oversimplification, I'm sure, but that's that's the concept. And then this one listener was said, I was listening about the balcony and the patio, and it got me thinking, can I put, uh, can I put potted plants on my flat roof deck? Well, they do roof uh, gardens in a lot of urban cities. They're becoming more popular all the time you know, green roofs to where they're, yeah, I just better check with your structural engineer and make sure you've got, <laughs> you've got the right kind of, the, the big thing there would be, what are you going to do with the water? You know, so if you're putting that much water on, it's got to go somewhere. So it needs to be able to be captured and, you know, not cause issues with your, with your roof. But, um, they, that has that is a concept that is being used. That's not a new idea. Um, and whatever you're going to like, I'm, I'm picturing because they said I'm thinking about putting heavy pot slash planter on my flat roof deck. I wouldn't set it straight on the roof. I'd find a way to get that absolutely. elevated so yeah. it doesn't deteriorate the life of your roofing right. material prematurely. Because I'm I'm picturing it sitting physically on the roof, and you move it away in a year, and you've got. So you, so you better have probably a saucer or something to capture the water under the pot, and then between the saucer and the and the roof, they actually make a, a devices called pot feet. So if you want to buy something that's already made, they're just designed to put. You can put like three of them in in a triangular fashion that will hold that up. That way you can also you know clean out underneath them. 
yeah, you know, if you set those pots right on the roof deck, you know, it's going to cause moisture to sit there. It's going to cause that decking material to deteriorate, that sort of thing. So, yeah, make sure there's some airspace underneath that. You can do it. It's just got to be done right. Absolutely. There's a good luck with that. If you do it, send us a picture. We'd love to see it and put it in our DIY database. There's lots of new uh residential high-rise residential buildings in various places around town that have plants on the roofs plants hanging off the balconies balcony planters so it's it's being done so i think that's a good look i like that's that. pretty yeah it softens the, the the downtown you know concrete absolutely. world absolutely Fall fertilizing. We should probably cover that before we wrap up. It's not too late to hit your citrus. If so you Labor Day it. was the trigger day for our for our next citrus feeding, as well as trees. And if they ever needed a fall feeding, this would be the fall <laughs> that some of these plants need some 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 help. You know, to try and recuperate from uh, from a pretty darn devastating summer as far as plants go. So we we've, we've had COVID. The plants have had fifty. What, what? How many days did we end up over 110? Who's keeping track? High, in, in I the know mid someone 50, is, over do you 50. really want to know? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to know, but it was well over 50. We crushed the old record, which I think was 32 or 33. Came came close to doubling it. Yeah, yeah. So not a good recipe for... Not all records you want to break, but we... Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think we broke like Havasu's single hottest day, though. No. Now, or that, even, or even Phoenix's hottest day. Still stands. Let's hope that stands for a long time yet. <laughs> Just the number of days over 110? Over 110. Mm. Yeah. Well, so it was almost, almost two months worth over 110. That's pretty, pretty tough on plant material. And you could potentially hurt it if you over-fertilize trying to be extra generous. Yeah, that don't, could burn the tree just Don't the try same. and play, just, just use, follow, when all else fails, follow directions. <laughs> Um, you know, use the appropriate amount. Make sure you don't fertilize a dry plant so it needs to be watered really the day of or the day before you apply the fertilizer, then water it in again um, and use the right amount and use a proper fertilizer for what you're feeding too. And then pre-emergent, uh, if it rains again. Uh, <laughs> if it ever rains again. We're yes, going to see fall, a lot of sprouts. Fall is a great time to put a pre-emergent herbicide down on your gravel areas or places you don't want anything to sprout from seed. Well, thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us, Absolutely. Jay Harper, the Farm's Choice Fertilizer. Great, uh, great. Speaking of fertilizers, <laughs> yeah. If you're going to fertilize, we'd recommend one. <laughs>